Alright, so you're ready to go for this mm -hmm. shite? So, hopefully, I'm a little I'm a little wiped today. I think I definitely didn't sleep enough. Me too, but that was because I was drinking wine last night with <laughs> girlfriends. So hopefully this is uh, super exciting, but I don't know. It might not be. <laughs> so we'll see. But one thing that I think has been kind of neat lately is just kind of just following where things go. Because like TV back in the day is so hard to even find. So just whatever happens, I figure why not just go with it. Like that's how... You know, we watched the wrong Space Patrol, and that led to British TV. And I'm like, okay, that was cool, so let's do that again. Because in this case, I was looking at my list of shows that debuted in 1950, just to look for names that popped out. And I saw Somerset Mom, Mom, Moms? Yeah, Somerset Mom, famous writer from the 30s, I'd say. 20s or 30s. Yeah, so Somerset Mom TV Theater. And I just he's just one of those names that you just, like, when... When a comedy show needs to make a joke about a fancy writer, it's always Somerset Mom or John yeah. Updike. It's like these names. I don't actually know who these people are. I don't remember. I've read some Somerset Mom. I read them when I was a teenager, short stories. But I don't really remember anything much about them. I liked them. They were kind of offbeat and a little, you know, different the way they were written. But, uh, okay, so the Somerset Mom Theater should be all right. Well, uh, see, there's uh, more to this tale than that, though. <laughs> yeah, but I was going to say, it is weird that people know his name, but it doesn't seem like there is a famous Somerset Mom book that everybody knows. You know, it's weird. He's just, but apparently I, I quickly looked him up, and yeah, he was one of the most famous writers of the time. But for what? Who knows? I didn't look into it that deep. Uh, so his show, the Somerset Mom TV Theater, I was like, well, I'll see if I can find it. So it started in 1950, and it ran for three seasons. And uh, I looked up on YouTube, and I found one. But then I checked the comments, and the comments said, this is not Somerset Mom's TV theater. As far as I know, no episodes of Somerset Mom's TV theater exist. It's another one of these lost shows. So I looked that up, and yeah, it does seem like that show doesn't exist. So we're not watching Somerset Mom's TV theater. <laughs> it's oh, it's okay. gone. So I thought instead, well, I'm like, well, then what is this? What is this thing on YouTube? So I looked that up, and that's where I was saying, like, why don't we just go with the flow? Let's just watch this, whatever this is. Let's just watch it instead. So what this is, is it's a show called The Star and the Story that is a weekly anthology show, much like the Somerset Mom one was, which is where the confusion came in. But this is a little later on. It uh, aired for one season in 1955, and it was hosted by Henry Fonda, and uh, that's it. That's all I know. So it's American. It's not British. Right. Well, I don't was. Uh, I mean, I don't think the Somerset Mom was either. I think that was also. Uh, okay. We're back Som to America. Somerset Mom, I believe, was a British writer. Oh yeah, I could probably yeah, but it but was. But Henry Fonda is, of course, a famous a famous American actor. Yeah, well, uh, that's one of those names that I'm like, I think I know him, but I looked it up, and I don't actually know Henry Fonda. Jane Fonda, uh, Peter Fonda, you yeah, know him? And, yeah, yeah, the, and, their dad. And Bridget Fonda is their grandkid. Right, he, so, and, right, grandchild, yeah. So yeah, talk about a famous fucking actor yeah. family, holy crap. Yeah, the Fonda family. But Henry was the first, oh, big, big name uh, actor in Hollywood. And then the kids kind of just followed in his footsteps. And he was still making movies when they were making movies at the same time. Right. So, yeah, he hosts this show, so that's a plus. But it only ran for one season, so that's a minus. So, who knows? I guess we'll see. And the only other information I found about this show, but this is kind of interesting because it helps paint in the patchwork of, like, what was going on in the different countries, is that this, uh, I already forgot what this show's called, 
this the star and the story show also aired in Australia because in America, England, and even Canada, we made our own shows, but Australia just at this point just didn't have the money. Like they just could not fill the airwaves with Australian shit. If there was any, it was like almost none. So they played a lot of shows in Australia that you just wouldn't expect them to. Like this show didn't air in England or Canada because we had enough of our own stuff. Yeah, we had BBC and CBC. Right. So there wasn't any. But Australia had nothing, so they're like, "We'll take it. Australia, Give us the Henry Fonda show." Would be. ABC. E. <laughs> <laughs> what would they have been? ABC, I guess. Yeah. Australia Broadcasting, right? Yeah. But uh, if that ever existed, it didn't yet. <laughs> so anyway, I thought that was kind of neat because that helps fill in the blanks a little of what was going on in these countries. Is uh, the pecking order? It's like America was first, England was second. If Canada was third, it was distant. I don't know how we rank up to... Uh, yeah, there were probably Swedish TV yeah. and Danish TV, Norwegian TV, German TV. There was right. probably all that stuff long before <laughs> we would be in the pecking order. But then below all that was Australia. So Australia's probably... I wonder, even places like Brazil and stuff, I wonder how they were doing. Like, I wonder how that ranks up to Australia. Mm. But for English speaking, anyway, Australia was... Uh, they're just like, just give us TV. We don't care. We'll watch your... <laughs> We'll watch your one-season Henry Fonda anthology show. That's fine. Just just give it to us. So, yeah, that's what we got for this week. So I guess Okay, well, let's, let's check, check it out. Let's see what Henry's doing. If he, he's, he must just be the star introducing yeah, and, uh, various shows. And on the plus side, I mean, uh, yeah, it's like different actors every week, different little stories, so who knows how that's going to go. But it's 1955, so that's good. Like it'll be, it'll be a little better. Yeah, we're move. Yeah, we're moving along a little. By the time you're into the mid 50s, there would be a fair number of people who would have TV. Right. So the product should be pretty decent, yeah. especially if it's American, because they had seemed to have lots of money to put into this kind of stuff. Starring Alexis Smith. Can't say I know who that is. Wait a second. Wait a minute. Somerset oh, Moms. Maybe the that's... back of beyond. No, but it is the star in the story. So it's not the Somerset Moms show. But it is an episode based on a story by Somerset Moms. So that makes sense. That's why the wires got crossed. But that's not Henry Fonda. Maybe he's got the week off. So yeah, I usually turn on the recorder toward the end of the show just to catch the little end so I can, like, I fade out as the show starts and then fade back in. But that one caught me off guard. I did not think that was the last scene. Just finished. Yeah. <laughs> just like, whoop, she we're done. She just made dream on, buddy. Kind of <laughs> done. <laughs> Story done. All right, so just to clear up exactly what this thing was, so if anybody wanted to find it on YouTube, it is called the Somerset Mom TV Theater, but what it really is is The Star and the Story, Episode 9. And look, it's 1954, and it's made in Hollywood. Right. So the episode's called The Back to Beyond, Episode 9, and it was based on a story written by Somerset Mom, so that explains the confusion there. Although the uh, little listing I found, man, it's really going deep on this research. So there's this site called the uh, Internet Archive that like archives old web pages. So I found the list of episodes on a web page that no longer exists, but it's been archived by the Internet Archive. So that's all I could find about this show. And yeah, it said host Peter or host Henry Fonda. 
no Henry Fonda at all. So I assume we just got an episode that didn't have Henry Fonda. Yeah, know, they used the star, who was obviously, I don't know anything about this, Alexis Smith. Right. But she was the star of this, and she hosted it. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, uh, pretty dry. <laughs> it's like those saltine crackers, but you can get the ones that don't have salt. That's what it reminded me of. It's like, well, it's food, you can eat it. It's not bad. But. Yeah, it, rather wordy, but it's almost like this was the beginning of um, psychological studies um, as to why people behave the way they did. We had no, not, not her, no psychological study on her. She was just the wife who was in love with the fellow who took off on the boat and who died. But she did give quite the little psychological study on him. There was a little spiel in there where she talked about what he was and what he was now and why he was that way. So it was more, instead of being an action-packed thing, it was more a study in personality or psychology. Yeah, so just to make sure, I mean, uh, it seems like this is too simple, but I think this is the whole thing, right? It's just so it's a guy who runs like a plantation or something in Malaysia, I think they said. And uh, he's been there for at least 15 years, and his wife is bored of him because he's the most dry uninteresting never make an expression never crack a joke never smile man ever so she started and presumably has changed from the person he was when he arrived there right because he also had sentenced to jail for five years this young worker who had stolen a few coin from him so he's become a real he's very heartless so, yeah, the wife starts uh, having an affair with this younger guy named Tom, or maybe not younger, a guy who reminds her of him 15 years ago. But then Tom dies in an accident, falls off a boat. And then, yeah, the couple just uh, just talk about how, wow, I guess our marriage is kind of shitty now. And that's it, right? <laughs> well, I think there might have been something a little more underlying there. Uh, Tom didn't die we don't know how Tom died. He didn't fall off a boat. They buried him at sea. Right. I'm wondering if you are supposed to get the impression that possibly Roger, husband, had something to do with his death aboard that ship. Because they never say how Tom died. It was just an unexpected death. But Roger did know that he was having a fling with his wife because he was listening behind the eaves there when they were out in the garden before Tom left to go on the ship. And they were kissing and, you know, making plans. And, and he, he was listening. And if he was that heartless a man and so concerned about losing his wife and had decided he wasn't going to go back to England like he had originally planned, um, they were going to have to be there another year with Tom not being there. Um, I'm wondering if you're supposed to get, if you actually read the book, if there's supposed to be some innuendo that maybe Roger had something to do with Tom's death. Yeah, it's like weird that that aspect of it is kind of uh, potentially subtle or whatever, because the other part, the part you were mentioning, sure wasn't, where the wife just lays it out, like, here's how you used to be, here's how you are now, blah, blah, blah. Like, at this point, I feel like uh, like there's this writing advice everyone gives, and it's show, don't tell, right? Like, show how people are, show how the relationship is, don't just say it out loud. To the point that I think people overstate it a little. I think you can just say it sometimes and it's okay. But I feel like this is why that advice became so prevalent. Is if everybody back in the 30s and 40s and 50s was just writing these fucking monologues, I bet the next generation after was like, enough of this. <laughs> like, show a bit, maybe. Don't just tell us. Because, like, 
Because again, like the, my only experience with writing from this period are those Ayn Rand books, but they're insane for that type of stuff, like speeches that go on for pages and pages. And yeah, it's like no one does that anymore, and I think it's for the best. <laughs> the know? only reason why I'm thinking that is, as I told you, I read some of this stuff when I was younger, and there was always some something a little deeper than what we actually saw in that show. There was always these like little innuendos, things that you never had answers to. Right. And the young, the other thing that makes me think that maybe Roger had something to do with that death is when he was informed about it, he wasn't really like, oh, oh my God, you know, no shock, no, he's playing pool and he continues carrying on pool. Yeah. Um, now I know that he knows he knows that the that Tom and his wife are having this little love affair. Uh, but even so, his reaction is very, oh, well. And the buddy says, I know you're very upset about this. Well, he's not really upset. He carries on plays the pool game so he can yeah. win the game and get whatever the bet was. <laughs> like, you know, I was saying, I can imagine Somerset Vaughn. Vaughn? Somerset Vaughn? <laughs> Somerset, by the way. What the hell kind of name is that? That's a really weird first name. <laughs> but, uh yeah, like he's writing it, thinking like, oh, God, I'm a genius. Like, these are so great. And these people, I bet, were just like, God, we're the best actors. Oh, my, can you believe we're putting this on TV? It's amazing. Oh, one season canceled, sorry. Because, <laughs> like, it has that, like, that noir sort of feel, that Casablanca kind of feel, but just without any spark, no life. That's it's right. Just... And I can't imagine it being really successful on TV because you've got... Uh, a whole variety of people that watch but this is very this is like highbrow stuff yeah this is like uh it would appeal to intellectuals unless there's some underlying stuff here that would kind of grab your interest your your average pleb guy would not be tuned into this at all he'd be like yawn yawn like what's happening give give me some action uh, and there really isn't any it's it's one of those talk psychological let's kind of keep it on a real high class intellectual level as opposed to hey let's just have it out there for so that everybody would enjoy it because there's nothing there's no catch and and even if you are a smarty pants it doesn't have like that that like i was thinking like oscar wilde like you know the dry wit they like or the british stuff where you kind of got to think about what they just said cuz there's a subtext yeah. or something this is like this feels just pretentious, where it's like, I can imagine smarty pants people in 1955 feeling all smarty watching it, but it's more the tone of smartness that they're enjoying, because the actual thing is just like, meh. However, the acting was good. Yeah, well, that is a good point. Yeah, it's like compared to all of the vaudeville stuff where we've been coming out of, where everyone is like over the top. Yeah. Everyone was way subdued here, and it didn't work. It was boring, but I respect that that it's not good acting yeah. good sets uh it just didn't seem to have a good a good plot to go with it i mean it had a plot but it was pretty blase plot even still though yeah and it kind of makes sense too of just uh the breakneck pace of tv where you know we noticed that the british shows even at this point were already only doing like eight or ten episodes so they could keep it a little higher quality and uh, not in America. Like, this show only ran for one season, but there were 39 episodes. So I bet, yeah, they were just like, whatever, it's fine, get it out. We got to do, like, two more this week. <laughs> wow, <laughs> one season, 39 episodes. Crazy, Holy, right? they were really pushing them out. And, yeah, production-wise, they did great. It looked great, well, well acted, well, everything was done well. It just was, yeah, just dry, just really <laughs> sort of... <laughs> <laughs> 
So, uh, yeah, so I don't know. That's There we go. Comment <laughs> on it. I probably would not bother with it again. Yeah, apparently. Unless there was nothing else on TV and I had nothing else. Uh, you know, it was on on, a, let's say, a Wednesday night, every Wednesday night. And it's the only channel that I, that I can get. I'd probably watch it. But, but even then, if I, I have a choice, it's like, yeah, I don't know. And even if it was the only thing on, I don't think you'd make it through 39 episodes. You know, after about 10 of those, you'd be like, all right, that's enough. Because <laughs> I also read, I guess I did learn one other thing about it, is all the episodes do exist. And it's in the public domain, so you can just put it out if you wanted to. But no one has ever put out a box set of every episode. You can just find episodes here and there in little random compilations of 1950s TV. So, like, it wasn't even good enough for somebody to take the effort to put it together in a single package, even though it's public domain. So that's not a good sign. It's very reminiscent, though, of the books that you did read in the 1930s. You either had mysteries, like the 39 Steps and that kind of stuff, or the 20s and the 30s seemed to be a, a time when there was that learning about, like, what makes people tick and all this stuff. Then it's followed up by World War II, which, of course, got big action. So all that stuff goes, goes oh, by the wayside. And even movies that following up in the 1940s, that's when you had all that film noir, which was always somebody being murdered. And then you got to solve that out. And they coupled that psychological stuff with something like a murder, how it happened, why it happened, how catching the guy, um, real action-packed stuff. But there was a lot of this kind of crap. Yeah, well, and I do think, too, just, in the 30s. just that one-noteness of it, too, it's like it really goes a long way to making the characters feel more real, to just, just switch it up a little. Like, uh, I was thinking of the saying of, like, you don't have to be smart to laugh at a fart joke, but you have to be dumb not to. You know, like when people go so far out of their way to show how serious and how adult and how grown up they are, it has like the reverse effect where this feels like uh, like little kids dressed up in their parents' clothes. Like, look how grown up we are. But it doesn't really feel like... But anyway, I mean, that was just, again, weird little divergence that just happened by accident because it's so hard to nail down old TV shows. And yeah, I think, uh, I guess it's like, again, we're getting these little visions of what's to come of like... The acting is going to come down. The production value is going to come up. But it's still TV, so they're still just making... But it's kind of nice to see this, though, even though it was rather dry. Because when you think of what TV was like in the early years, you think of Jack Benny, Red Skelton, I Love Lucy, uh, some of those westerns. You don't usually think of dry drama, which this was. And yet, if you're getting a well-rounded picture of... TV viewing, yeah, that should be part of it, and it is. But uh, normally you wouldn't think of that. In the 60s, you get, I would have thought more of this stuff rather than the mid-50s. But obviously in America, it was they were producing this stuff too. It's interesting too with this. I mean, I don't have very much knowledge of especially dramas from the time. But uh, it's so unfair to compare things to Casablanca because it's like the greatest movie of all time or one of the greatest movies. But it's just, you know, it's the only example I can go to because it's the only one I've really seen. I mean, I saw Citizen Kane, but Citizen Kane is Citizen Kane is like that Very show. Very much like that show. Super boring. It? I didn't yeah. like it at all. <laughs> Whereas it's weird, like Casablanca, I don't know how it worked out so well because other movies, I guess I got to watch like the Maltese Falcon sometime, but most movies of the era weren't that good. And even the other movies made by that same director 
are not that good. Somehow that one just turned out. But it's kind of the one that damns all the rest, because it's like, well, if in 1942 they can make a, a story of this type that good, then what is all this other shit? <laughs> you know, it's kind of. But again, yeah, it's just TV. I, you know, I should. And again, if they made 39 episodes in one year, like, it's fine. It's fine. That's all I guess I can say. I wasn't opposed to it, but yeah, I wouldn't go out of my way. And it may be the kind of thing if you're watching TV early television and it's in the night late at night just before you go to bed uh you're in your bedroom all tucked up nice and quiet and you're ready to doze off to sleep uh yeah that would be the kind of thing that would lull you into that sense of calmness you wouldn't be excited so that you'd be up all night dreaming of it you'd just be kind of yeah that's like having a nice cup of warm milk and settling yourself in and then get up and turn off the TV and go into a restful sleep.